Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by, by PCBB 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB 1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins. Was as efficient and as good as anybody I've ever coached in the game. You know, even going back to our days at Boston College, it was pretty. I actually was a fan more so than a coach today because kind of he coached the team and everybody wrote his energy, his enthusiasm. Uh, we played a lot of confidence. This is the first time I'm seeing our team actually play with a little joy because we've been so decimated with all the injuries. And so it was a really good team win. Obviously, playing on the road, Big East game. We're excited to play a home, you know, uh, opening game. But, you know, this game was about Cartwright. He controlled the game from start to finish. And, uh, you know, I was more of a spectator than a coach. So it was a good team win. Uh, you know, uh, St. John's a little banged up. Hopefully Shamari's okay. So I'm limping. So I'm limping. So I thought that played into, you know, the way they wanted to play. But we're making shots like that. I mean, that's the most threes I think I've ever coached 16 in a game. Um, I didn't even know we made that many. I just know the ball was going through the net at a really, really a high rate. So it was fun. And welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast. You just heard from Ed Cooley after Providence's uh, pretty convincing victory at St. John's to open Big East play on Thursday. Friars took the Red Storm down 94-72 to behind 21 points and a career-high 15 assists from Kyron Cartwright, who was back in the starting lineup alongside Alpha Diallo. Both players have been nursing ankle injuries. Pretty clear that they uh, they really missed those two guys. Friars off to a one and zero start in league play, ten and four on the season. Next up will be Creighton in Omaha on New Year's Eve, and we have uh, an interview that Chris did with John Niatawa of the Omaha World Herald. Creighton off to an zero and one start after losing at Seton Hall on Thursday night at the Prudential Center. Uh, they did survive a Marcus Foster injury scare. Looked like he had a real serious knee injury. Had to be carried into the locker room, reappeared after only missing about five minutes of game time. So they dodged a bullet there, but looks like he uh, he had a little soreness. And Chris and uh, John will talk about that at the top. Really, not much to say about Providence's win uh, Thursday night at Carnesecca Arena. I was in the building with uh, a few friends and my dad, and uh, really surprised. Did not see that coming. That was a uh, a pretty dominant effort. Shamari Pond's injury early in the second half. He basically sat most of the second half. Certainly uh, helped out Providence. He had he was on his way to a pretty solid game, although they were containing him for the most part. But really the best game I think Providence has played from start to finish in some time. Obviously some hot shooting. I think they shot 53% from three-point land, so that's going to always help. But uh, even the younger guys in the front court, Kyron Cartwright, as I mentioned, 21 points to lead the Friars. Uh, Bullock had 20. Lindsey with 18 on six made threes, six of 10 from three. Really was an all-around effort by the Friars. Nate Watson had a very solid game with nine points and three rebounds. Khalif Young, arguably his best game of the season. In 19 minutes, he had seven points, six rebounds. I really show, showed a lot for me getting up and down the floor. Uh, some, some better hands than he's shown on the inside to date finishing on some catching some passes that maybe he doesn't catch in the past and and finishing in contact really i think the big takeaways from providence's win on thursday at st john's it coolly employed his own defense for for much of the game 
really a smart a smart deployment of the zone. It was clear that St. John's was not a good shooting team, especially from the outside. Pons was their leading scorer coming to the game, shooting just over 20% from three. So that was clear that uh, zone seemed like a smart play, and it certainly paid off. But I think the rebounding was better than I expected out of the zone. But once Providence got it going and they were making shots, everything just kind of flowed from there. The energy, uh, even on rebounds, guys ripping rebounds, the, ba- the bench was up. A uh, fair amount of Providence, Friar faithful behind the bench on Thursday night. Uh, good to see that. And now the Friars look ahead to Sunday, New Year's Eve in Omaha. They'll take on the Creighton Blue Jays. And uh, without further ado, let's head to Chris with his interview with John. All right, so Providence and Creighton will meet for the 21st time ever on New Year's Eve in Omaha at the CenturyLink Center with the game tipping off at 2.30 Eastern time. That game will be on FS1. And I'm happy to be joined here by John Niatawa of the Omaha World Herald. He covers both Creighton and the Big East for them. John, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, All right, so Creighton's coming off a tough road loss to start off league play. Obviously not the easiest opponent. Uh, They were at Seton Hall on Thursday night to go alongside with a little injury scare with Marcus Foster. So I know he ultimately came back into the game and he played pretty well, uh, but you noted in your post-game article that he did mention that the knee was bothering him. Are, are there any updates on Foster's knee at this point? Yeah, not not to, not at this point. We're recording this uh, middle of the afternoon on Friday, so they haven't practiced just yet. So we'll see um, later today if he's able to go and how he feels. He was just worried because it was sore really throughout the game. And I guess – um, if it's some sort of sprain or even more significant than that, sometimes the swelling or the pain doesn't set in until later the next day, overnight, once you sleep. So, um, right. yeah, it's still probably a, a TBD, TBD situation. I, I'd expect him to play just because he was able to go, uh, but maybe he's limited a little bit with his movement left to right or, uh, you know, his balance up and down getting off the floor. We'll see. But, uh, um, yeah, it's something to monitor for sure because he, he said it bothered him for much of the second half. Yeah, so definitely something to keep an eye on. Obviously, he's a big part of Creighton's offense and defense's overall game, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, and looking at Creighton and Providence head-to-head, uh, for Providence' sake, after going on a five-game winning streak against Creighton that started with the Big East Championship in March of 2014, uh, PC and the Blue Jays, they split last season's round-robin schedule. And then Creighton grabbed the rubber game and knocked them out of the Big East tournament in March. Um, so they've been pretty back and forth over the last couple of years. Uh, in terms of Creighton as a team, uh, Martin Crompool. Is it Crompool? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Martin is his first name, Martin, actually. Uh, yeah, he's from Slovenia. So you got some different, you know, accents and, and emphasis on, on the words, you know. So, yeah, yeah. So Martin there, uh, he's got a pretty big leap in production so far. And I saw your article uh, on Friday about how he uses speed and quickness as a kind of advantage over other big men. And Providence's front court has kind of been a, a topic of interest in terms of media and fans as they're a little younger and missing out on Emmett Hole. It's kind of been, you know, a toss-up every game to see which front court was really going to show up. So how does he match up against Providence's front court? Well, I think one of the reasons why he's been so effective this year is because opposing teams, obviously Marcus Foster, I mean, he's scoring 18 points a game. 
Kyrie Thomas is at 15 points a game. They're, they're really explosive on the wings. Those guys can beat you. They're both 40% three-point shooters, so they can shoot um, if you leave them open, or they can beat you off the dribble. They're, they're really strong, um, explosive to the rim, powerful drivers. So they're both really versatile, and a lot of teams, when you're defending Creighton, I mean, they'll run those guys off ball screens. They'll set off ball screens for them just to find different ways to get them open. So a lot of times your attention as a def- as a, as a defensive team is centered on those guys. You know, how do we right. extend our perimeter defense to make sure that they don't have enough space to catch and shoot or that we're able to corral them on ball screens, double team them if we need to, to get the ball in their hands. And when you're doing that, when you're extending your pressure outside uh, at the three-point line, it opens up opportunities for a big man to slip to- toward the rim, roll to the rim. Um, sure. So that's where he's been most effective. I think on his first nine field goals against Seton Hall last uh, last night on Thursday night, they were all assisted. Um, he basically just rolled to the rim and received a pass and dunked it <laughs> or laid it right. in, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah he he is quick. He's athletic. He's got good uh, a good bounce. Uh, Martin Grumpel does. So that's why it's it's been tough for opponents to defend him because it's you're kind of in a pick your poison situation. You can't really right. You don't, you don't, you know, your big man is occupied maybe in a ball screen. So if you help uh, to try to take away the lob, then there's a three point shooter open in the corner. So um, catch 22, I feel like a lot of teams are finding themselves in a bind. Seton Hall certainly did last uh, last night, Thursday night. So yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Providence decides to defend it. I think that's probably one of the keys of the game, obviously, is, is uh, what they choose to take away. And if Creighton's able to read it and take advantage of it, um, uh, that'll be important. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Cooley kind of leans towards having Rodney Bullock play the five, which he has at times this year. And and with a you know quicker, athletic guy like Crumple, maybe he'll he'll lean towards that way. Because... Right, and because Crumple, he's he, rarely the, do they post him up. You sure. know, that's just not yeah. part of Creighton's offense. If you remember right. watching this team last year, even with Justin Patton, you know, a few post ups every now and then, but that's not the way that they're designed. Um, yeah, they actually exactly. probably post up their guards more than their mm-hmm. bigs, Kyrie Thomas mm-hmm. and, and Marcus Foster. They run right. sets for those guys in the in the post. But uh, you know that's just not, that's just not the way that they are designed. They want to use their bigs, uh, their ability to both shoot it. Martin can shoot it, and Toby Hagner is another big man who can shoot it from three. Sure. So they like to get those guys in the ball screen throwing off popping or or just making the other four and five man work. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, that, like you said, maybe if uh, maybe a situation with Rodney Bullock playing the five might uh, better suit Providence in this matchup. We'll see. Yeah, and you describing how Creighton you know kind of uses their front court and utilizes their big men. Is like a total nightmare for Providence fans and, and people yeah. that surround Providence because Khalif Young and, and Nate Watson, they've been fine. You know, they're younger front court and they're still kind of figuring it out bit by bit, but that is not an ideal matchup for them. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Rodney Bullock play a lot of the five, which Cooley has been prone to do over the last couple of weeks. Um, and then kind of keeping with how, you know, Creighton uses some of their strategies effectively. I know they went one, three, one last night against Seton Hall and it was pretty effective. Um, Providence, I know, has seen a lot of one three ones. At least in terms of the Big East, you, you hear one three ones. You think Xavier, Chris Mack loves the one three one, and Providence has struggled mightily against that. Uh, so, do you think that's something we might see on Sunday from Creighton? Yeah, probably. I mean, they used it last year. I remember up at Providence, yeah. right? Um, and got, and got some. I, I can't remember, and I'm trying to think back on the game in Omaha, and and I I, I swear they used it in all three of the matchups, and I, I but I did. know that yeah. I really, I really think the one, the one three one in Pro, at Providence um, was was extremely effective, especially I think because Kyron Cartwright got hurt in yeah, that game, or maybe he, he was banged up. And, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, 
Yeah, I'd expect them to use it. They really haven't shown it much, but they practice it all the time. And right. um, it's I think that they probably would prefer because they work on maybe their man to man a little bit more to, to stick with that if they can. But if they want to throw a curveball, they have that um, that that ability to do so. And actually, they, Coach McDermott said after the game that he wished he would have gone to it sooner against Seton Hall because the Pirates yeah, are doing looked, pretty well. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they were the Pirates were doing pretty well offensively against them in the second half, and they they needed to throw them a curveball. They went to it in the final two minutes and got, um, I think they got four straight missed jumpers from Seton Hall, but then um, they kind of capitalized on the other end. But yeah, they because because of their length on the wing, um, and and up top, I mean they got a six three point guard, and um, sure. obviously Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas are athletic and long. That that presents a problem because you know they can recover quickly and and plug the passing lanes too. So. It's a good yeah. look that one three one, and I'd, yeah, I, it definitely I'd, is. I'd be surprised if I didn't see it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, me too. With their with their length, it gives them such an advantage, especially against a team like Providence, who's still kind of trying to find their way on offense. I think they'd be kind of foolish not to go with it. I'm sure we'll see it. Um, and so, you know, just adding on, what do you think the keys to watch uh, for Creighton against Providence on Sunday would be? Well, I haven't really watched much Providence yet, um, mm-hmm. but just generally speaking, I know that. Um, you know, it's really important for Creighton to take care of the basketball. They're usually pretty good, but against the, the better teams in their schedule, um, particularly in their losses, Gonzaga, Baylor, man, they didn't turn over a ton against Baylor, but they kind of rushed their shots a little bit. Right. Uh, and then again, it's Seton Hall. I just felt like they're maybe a little bit out of sync offensively, maybe rushing it too much. The pressure okay. of the moment maybe got to them a little bit. So they just have to calm down and, and work the ball around, especially if Providence is sitting back in a zone and making Creighton sort of move it and, uh, maybe not again. Let, maybe not allowing Creighton to play at the pace that it wants to. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's where Creighton just has to kind of keep its composure and and not try to force the issue. They force the issue too much, especially down the stretch against Seton Hall. I mean, they went scoreless in in the final three minutes, and there were three turnovers and four missed shots. And right. really, the shots were good, and the turnovers were really unforced. I mean, they I think there's a travel call and. And and maybe just a ball, a guy just losing control of the ball and, and, mm-hmm. and an ill-advised pass, you know. So they just gotta they're they're young in spots or inexperienced in spots, I should say. I mean, they they just they really only bring back three regular rotation players from a year ago, so right. they're just still kind of sorting some things out, especially in those games against good opponents like Providence. I mean, um, they know that that game is probably going to come down to the wire, and it's going to be a, a a game where you have to execute late, and so mm-hmm. that'll be an important key for Creighton. And uh, on the other end, they got a rebound. I mean, they they uh, had been doing well at that all season long, but they played. Seton Hall's the best offensive rebounding team in the in the league, so right. you know that they're going to get some. But they probably gave up a little bit too much and allowed Seton Hall to kind of gain some momentum there too. So uh, turnovers and rebounding. I feel like this team, it, it's Creighton. They just kind of have to do the little things a lot of times. So um, if they're if they're locked in and kind of playing it, putting you know a, a, an emphasis on attention to the detail. Um, they'll be okay, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how Providence decides to defend them. Just because Creighton, when they're on, when they're on, they they can be really lethal offensively. Yeah, yeah, and I and I noticed you pointed out rebounding. Uh, I noted that Creighton, you know, they've out rebounded their opponents in all ten of the wins, and they've been out rebounded by their opponents in all three losses. So clearly, that's an yeah. issue as well. Do you think? Do you think that kind of outweighs the composure problems? Do you think they struggle more with rebounding in the losses? Than well, it kind of goes hand in hand because a lot okay. of in those losses, they've been outscored a ton by a ton in the second half. It's like um, right. they've had a lead at halftime in all three of those games, but they, mm-hmm. the other team um, has kind of found its mojo offensively and Creighton hasn't been able to respond. And so Creighton actually offensively is sort of uh, um, kind of hit, hit the skids a little bit. They've, 
maybe right. uh, they're not shooting it as well, uh, certainly not as efficient as they normally do, and so they're missing more shots or turning the ball over, but mostly missing more shots, and they're not a good offensive rebounding team, Creighton isn't. Mm-hmm. So when they're missing more shots, that just gives more rebounds to the opponent. So I think it kind of all goes together. Uh, but, yeah, the, it it's kind of been a puzzling thing, Creighton, because for stretches of games, especially against the best teams they've played, they've looked really, really lethal and really elite. But then uh, that that they're kind of just missing that last touch. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I guess I chalk it up to, I mean, just from <laughs> watching them here this part, this part, part of the year, I chalk it up to a little bit of the guys maybe, um, you know, first time being in the situation and not knowing exactly, um, you know, how to sort of like, kind of like you said, maintain, maintain the composure. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I, it's, man, it's a big game and Providence, yeah. you know, from the score that, that certainly caught the attention of Creighton's players, I'm sure, uh, on Thursday night, the way that they handled St. John's. So, yeah, um, caught the attention and, of and us too. <laughs> right. And they're <laughs> yeah. never, these games are never uh, easy for Creighton just because yeah, of the yeah. way that Ed, Sco- Ed Cooley seems to have a good good plan against the Jays and, and knows how to scout them and, and slow them. They just take them out of their rhythm, I think. Mm-hmm. so. Um, yeah, it's been a great has, matchup over the last couple of years. They, they, these two teams yeah. are a lot of fun to watch head-to-head for sure. For and sure. kind of like you kind of like you said, it's, it's interesting looking at the shooting. I mean, it sounds simple talking about, well, they shoot better in wins and they shoot poorly in losses. So obviously that's the case, but – you know, field goal attempts are about the same in Creighton's wins and losses. And, yeah, you know, I think they're shooting around 55% in wins and around 43% in losses. And the same, you know, comes in fr- from beyond uh, from beyond the arc. It's like 40% yeah. in wins and like 25 or 27 maybe uh, percent from three in losses. But the biggest disparity really comes, at least when I'm looking at stats from a broad view, is is free throw line trips. When – they're winning, they're getting to the line about 21 times, and then when they're losing, they're getting to the line at an average of like 11 or 12 or so. So do you think that also comes into play, just getting to the line? A little bit. Um, mm-hmm. They're not a great team at, you know, getting free throws. Okay. Um, that's that's just I, – I don't know if it's a personnel thing or if it's a schematic thing, but that was an issue last year. Uh, they were one of the worst in the country in free throw rate, and it, it's again this year. They're, they're not good at it, getting to the line. Um, so I, you know, when you, when I watch the games, um, they're, the, the three losses they've had are to, they're all to ranked teams. They're all good teams. Right. And I feel like, um, Creighton maybe had a little bit of an athletic disadvantage in those moments, in those games. And, uh, those, you got to give those teams credit. I feel like they've done well defending without fouling and, and, and forcing Creighton into some tough situations. So, sure. um, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a point of emphasis, but if if Providence is able to keep the Jays off the free throw line, it's a big that's a big key, obviously, uh, right. for the, for the Friars. I think I think they they just got to play some solid defense, try to be in the right spot, um, maybe get up into Creighton's ball handlers' defense, uh, maybe bother them a little bit. I thought Seton Hall did that. I think it's one of the reasons why Creighton was shoot, shot so poorly from three point range. They were five twenty seven, which was their right. second worst performance of the season. And there were some bad misses. You know, yeah. balls just barely touching the iron or air balls um, <clears throat> hard off the glass, you know, stuff like that, that I think Seton Hall's ball pressure bothered Creighton a little bit. So Providence did some of that last year. They were really good at switching screens and right. uh, never giving those guys that space or that comfort. Um, so that'll be important. But you got to do it without fouling now. So that's yeah, that's exactly. one of the keys, I think, for the Friars. Right. And how much value would you say Providence should probably put into kind of slowing this game down and and playing more of a deliberate 
half court kind of pace. Cause I know um, Creighton, at least against Baylor, they played, you know, they kind of had a slower pace. They had like 67 possessions compared to other games yeah. where they're in the mid to high seventies. So do you think Providence should be looking into slowing this one down into more of a half court style? I mean, I would because mm-hmm. you can take, you can, maybe you can suck the air out of the arena and get the fans out of it. And it's going to be a right. sellout. Yeah. And they're going to be jacked to because, right. It's, I mean, it's dollar beer day. Um, oh, that's, you know, that's always it's a big New one. Year's Eve. It's New Year's yeah. Eve. Like they're going to have a, the fans are going to be jacked for it. Um, right. so if you're able to get a lead and just sort of play, keep away for a little bit, maybe you can take mm-hmm. some of the, frustrate Creighton a little bit. Take, like I said, kind of take some of the energy out of the building. Um, Creighton's just not Creighton's better. It's it's better suited. It likes to play up tempo, and I think you're doing Creighton a favor if you play that style against them. Um, maybe sure. it maybe it works and maybe it works well for you early. But as the game wears on, that's what Creighton wants to do, and I think they're they're more comfortable in that uh, in that style of game. So Baylor slowed it down really well. Nebraska slowed it down really well as uh, and Creighton had to really fight. I think Creighton ended up scoring on nine its last nine possessions in that game against Nebraska. Otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, that game could have gone to the Huskers, and that was at home. Um, so to me, that's one of the keys for for most teams playing Creighton. Um, there are some teams that are really well suited to, to move up and down and, and take advantage in transition, but uh, if you do it better than Creighton, and if you can't do it better, I'd, I'd suggest slowing it down because that's what the yeah. Jays want to do. They want to run. Right, definitely, definitely. All right, well, John, I appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to the game on, on Sunday. Again, that's 2.30 on FS1. You can follow John on Twitter at John Niatawa. And, uh, John, I appreciate, it. appreciate you coming on, and maybe we can talk later on once uh, Providence and Creighton meet up again in the Big East schedule. Yeah, it's like a quick turnaround. I feel like they're meet, they're Real playing quick. again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll be quick. Uh, yeah, most most definitely hit me up. I appreciate you All having right. me on. Thanks. And that'll do it for episode six of the Providence Friarcast. Thanks to uh, John Niatawa for joining us for this week's episode. And now I want to give a special shout out to some of the higher level patrons, and that's JLD, John Lee Dumas, Mike Evans, my parents, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torbick, Brendan Ryan. Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penta, Dennis Burns, Alex Simeon, Chris Thurlow, G, Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. Special shout out to those fine gentlemen. This will be our final episode of 2017, so thanks for joining us on this uh, fun little journey we've been on so far. Hopefully all three of us will be back together next week after the holidays have settled down and Providence will be Uh, Two games into their Big East slate with their first home Big East game coming on Wednesday, January 3rd against Marquette. So keep an eye out next week on the the feed, on the podcast feed. Make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe. Give us a rating and a review. It's always very helpful. Everybody have a happy, healthy, and safe New Year, and we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Mike, follow Mike Hopkins on Twitter and Instagram at PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page, and as always, stay classy, Friartown. Town.